I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, February 2nd, 2019. Economic health of this nation has been four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline read in the dollar. It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? It's Troy Harmon. I'm the host of Money Talks. Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. And, uh, yeah, if you're wondering, I, we got we got folks on here that, um, you know, you got just laughing at me because I say, what up, fam? I'm trying to relate to the millennial crowd. Mm-hmm. I am not one of them. Gotta I mean, be relatable. I don't have a beard or a Jeep. I don't live in Midtown. I'm, I'm trying so to relate. You do have teenagers in the house, though, right? I, I have a teenager in the house yeah. and one on... She's, uh, she's a couple of years away, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, and when I say anything about fam, they just kind of look at me with <laughs> a wry grin, and yeah. as probably folks that are driving around in their car or listening to us in some fashion are doing right now as well. Well, sometimes you got to do that. It's it's fun to even see their reaction when you you try to be relatable and they think you're not. So no I like doubt, it. no doubt. All right, so uh, we got. Uh, from parts unknown, didn't you really love it when they would introduce a wrestler? Uh, I'm going to introduce <laughs> from parts unknown, weighing in at I don't know, oh. probably about 275 pounds. Mm, 280. Okay, 280. No, not uh, really. About about 80 pounds more. The, the, yeah, uh, Jarrett McKenzie, whom he and I love to go back and forth with each other. The, be he's actually not from parts unknown. He's he's from Paulding. God's country. As we call it. Yeah, he's not really from there, but at the moment, that's where he hangs out. God's country. Oh. And we have Melanie. Melanie. Can we just get my weight? <laughs> are you from Parts Unknown or are you from Paulding County, too? Hey, I'm from Marietta. Marietta. How about Marietta. that? Uh, both of these guys are CFPs uh, working out of our planning and implementation department at Hensler Financial. And uh, as we go through the show, we'll be answering a whole lot of financial questions today. Um, but let's first talk about the stock market. We got a, a pretty good bump this week, 2.23% gain uh, on the market overall, approximately. Can I say that after you say 2.23? It's yeah, 2.23, well, right? I think I read today that uh, January has been the best month on record. Really? Jan- I think so. Well, yeah, pretty sure that was a... Uh, Alert from CNBC, or excuse me, actually that was just for crude, not the, not the S and P, but even for crude. Well, uh, it's been quite the ride, and I'm sure that's contributing a lot to what we're seeing, uh, even with with the S and P. Of course, there's a lot of factors there. But. Well, I'll tell you this: last year, from uh, December 31st, which is usually you start at the close of the previous year, um, through the end of January, we wound up with 7.1 percent gain on the S and P 500. Our year-to-date, which would also be our month-to-date at the moment, 7.88%. So beat last year. Last mm-hmm. year, I was wringing my hands. Uh, I remember <laughs> my forecast for 2018, 6 to 8% gain. 
mm-hmm. we wound up with a significant loss. Um, but at the end of the first month of the year, I'm saying, yeah, 6.8%. Uh, what's the big deal? Why is everybody looking at me like that? Well, we're already <laughs> at 7.1. Where's it going from here? Well, a lot of folks thought it was going to continue to go straight up. But at the same time, and I was saying 7.1, I was saying danger, Will Robinson. There's uh, <laughs> there's issues abounding, and most of it was valuation-related. Mm-hmm. Um, here we are up 7.88%, but it was after a pretty significant decline. Um, market topped on uh, September 20th, 2018. Um, since then, we're down still. Uh, we'd have to gain a little over 8% to get us back to where we were on 9-20 of 18. So, well, even uh, with where things stand now, I mean, aren't they, isn't it, prices are still kind of excessive, aren't they? Uh, well, it, it depends on what you look at. Hey, yeah, it depends on what you look at. So we're still above uh, the long-term average according to price-to-earnings ratio, which is around, at the moment, we're 18 and something. I forget exactly where, but the uh, long-term average is 16.5. So actually more technically correct, 16.55. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> we're about 9% overweight according to long-term price-to-earnings ratio. But if you look at something like a price-to-EBITDA, we're about 40% hmm. over over value. If you look at price-to-sales, 100%. Wow. And what's the difference? Well, I mean, you dig through the numbers – Companies have borrowed money as as uh, debt has been so cheap, uh, and what they do with it, they didn't invest it like for new projects and, and uh, economic gain. What they did was the easy thing. If I buy my stock back, I've got fewer shares. Earnings don't have to change as an overall for the company, and my earnings per share might decline, but I got fewer shares, so it's not going to decline as much, right? I'm taking the same number of sales or earnings, rather, and dividing them by a smaller number to get an EPS that's a little bit better. So to some degree, and while I don't fault financial uh, managers for doing this, I'm just warning investors who don't truly benefit from the fact that we're getting buybacks like crazy, mm-hmm. uh, except for the fact that the, you know, the manager is lowering the cost of capital, which is a, a kind of his job. Um, sure. But at the end of the game... Uh, sales haven't increased all that much, but prices did. And EBITDA, which actually subtracts the interest before any yeah. consideration, has actually not been as impacted as earnings were. So, you know, you've got two measures that say we're nearer valuations of the tech bubble top. <laughs> and yet it continues to go up almost 8%. Yeah, well, big news this week. Let's talk about that, FOMC monetary policy. So in December, we got another rate increase. We're uh, overnight lending rate two and a quarter to two and a half. Um, and uh, what does that mean? Well, at the time, it it uh, ruffled a lot of political feathers because the president had been tweeting to Jerome Powell more or less a signal. Uh, you probably ought to pause. Looks like it's not time to raise rates. Well, he raised rates anyway. And what it caused within a day or two was a, a pretty significant inversion in the yield curve. Now, it's not the 10-year minus the 2-year inversion that everybody looks at as the like the go-to signal since 1955. I think there's been, what, eight or nine 
uh, recessions, and every one of them was preceded by an inversion. an inversion of the yield curve. Well, today we have a strange situation where the one-year treasury has a better yield than the two, the three, the five, and the seven-year, which that seven is new. Well, the Fed came out this week and said, hey, guys, don't, don't worry about what we're doing. Um, we're, we're becoming patient, and our patience may last quite a while. And while we're being patient, they didn't talk about the short-term overnight lending rate where banks can go in and, and borrow from each other, uh, which is the target rate that the Fed sets. They talked about the long term. So while we went around, you know, a year and a half ago worrying about what the unwind of uh, quantitative easing was going to look like, you know, we got from... I forget where we started. It was like $800 billion. We went up to $4 trillion in our last in our last recession because of the Fed deciding that we were going to start buying back uh, mortgage-backed securities and treasuries. And <clears throat> in, in the offing, we were going to lower the long-term rate instead of just affecting the short end of the maturities in, in the treasury yield curve we decided we would lower long-term. And why would we do that? Well, that's really where housing uh, gets its pricing action as far as mortgages and the like. Um, so the Fed decided that was the new move. It, it was unprecedented for, for our uh, Fed. It, it had been tried, I think, in uh, Japan at one time and you know, seemed to be successful. It's the unwind that we're now looking at. And the Fed's comment was, don't be surprised if we don't take that $50 billion a month that we're supposed to be letting roll off and start manipulating that if need be. So when the Fed starts talking about uh, lowering of interest rates, you start wondering, when is the overnight lending rate going to fall? <laughs> so instead of a, right. a tightening policy where interest rates are climbing based on that overnight lending, we've had this weird twist from December where the yield curve now looks weird. It's yeah. it's not a normal yield curve, which should be, you know, more or less up and to the right. There's, you know, reasons that, that you would do that. An investor, generally, when there's more risk and time is one of the major issues in risk, I mean, think about it, just about anything can happen, whether it's forecastable or not, like economic conditions could start to decline um, you know, you can have defaults, whatever, whatever you might run into. Um, but uh, now there are folks talking in the market that 2020, we might actually see the Fed become a little more accommodative, meaning that they believe that we should see interest rates fall in 2020. The overnight lending rate, the FOMC's policy rate, um, that's speculation, and it's not my view, but when you start reading that, you know that there is risk in the market, right? Yeah, absolutely. In the meantime, market's up 2.23% this week. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. Well, well we didn't have an interest rate. Prices keep going up. We didn't have an interest rate increase. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> valuation, it's always good. Valuation that I'm always worried about is uh, going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, talk about a dog of the week and get into a situation that we uh, have put together for your listening pleasure. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. It's time for the 
Dog of the Week. All right. Uh, Jarrett, this is far from home for you. Uh, got this off the NBC, off the website. Um, police in Connecticut have arrested a, a woman for drunk driving. Connecticut. Connecticut. That's far far from home, yeah. It's a little bit north of Paulding County. Okay. <laughs> you got to, I mean, gotcha. pack a lunch if you're driving somewhere. <laughs> uh, they arrested her from, for being drunk on vanilla extract. Oh. Wow. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't either. Uh, well, she was... Um, she was found sleeping at a red light or traffic traffic light, um, and uh, when they got her out of the car, they saw it was a 50-year-old woman, uh, Stephanie Warner Grice. Um, it was about 4:45 in the afternoon on a random Wednesday, and uh, they said that the back seat of the car had vanilla extract bottles, and you could smell the vanilla in the car and on her breath. What you might not know is vanilla extract is full of alcohol. I didn't know that. I'm going to have no to lock idea. it back well, up. I guess they the, did know that. Keep yeah. your kids away. Really? The vanilla bean and alcohol, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, that makes think, sense now yeah. that you say it. I would have never. I, I mean, I guess that sh- shows up on a breathalyzer, so, right. I would assume. So you guys are yeah. both financial planners, and, and you probably like to try to help people save money, right? Oh, sure. I just looked up online. Vanilla extract is $35.15 for a 16-ounce bottle it's not cheap yeah and you can buy you can buy a 1.75 liter of yeah, jack daniels of for about different. 42 bucks mm-hmm. wow i mean i don't it's an interesting i don't partake in any of this yeah. I, but it just really seems like to me i mean i've heard <laughs> of mouthwash but yeah. i've never heard of vanilla Vanilla you just made us better planners. Well, here's the thing. I, some money. I, I mean, you know, you could probably start picking up clients from AA. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, if they're spending money like that, then, yeah, they'd, they'd probably benefit. I just really don't get it. I mean, did she get cut off at the liquor store? Did she just like the taste of vanilla Trying extract? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure yeah, there's, there's I mean, got to be a story yeah. behind that one. That, yeah. That'd be the real Unfortunately, dog. Unfortunately, there's not a story that I have found. <laughs> They said she she was uh, slurring her speech. I mean, if you fall asleep in traffic at 4:45 in the afternoon, um, she's she's got an issue. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. But they uh, they did a few sobriety tests, considered that she was inebriated, and uh, sent her unbelievable sent her to jail. She was released on a promise to pay get loose, which means she probably had not been there before. She just made a problem. No bond, no bail, no uh, that's, how, that's how they do things in Connecticut. You know, that wouldn't fly in Paulding, but not oh, is Connecticut. That it? You know, that might, yeah. Just, well, if you're drinking vanilla extract in Paulding County, they'd <laughs> probably send you the mental ward. Yeah, they would. I mean, at least give you some weird looks. Ain't you, yeah. ain't you got no more self-respect than that? <laughs> oh, well said, Troy. Well said in, you're, in, you're, a, you're in a, a language land. you can understand. <laughs> you're a landowner in Paulding, aren't you? I Is am that, a landowner. I thought yeah. I remembered you saying that. Yeah, I'm a landowner so, in Paulding. It's a good Cobb man. And, you know, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we've got a situation we wanted to talk about this week. We had a uh, an individual who um, has a small business um, bringing over a little over a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, want to talk about 
being a fin- having somebody here be their financial planner and uh in the discussion we discovered something that just seemed absolutely outlandish to us so Jarrett you want to flesh this out a little bit Absolutely well you know it's kind of uh you know tis the season as it comes to uh taxes here that are about to ramp up and this always becomes a hot topic and so you know we figured we ought to you know make some light of some considerations that should be made uh this time of year in particular when uh you have instances where maybe you are a business owner uh, like this gentleman and and you know are in need of uh deductions and other ways of minimizing your tax liability because uh, if you are a small business owner or business owner at all for that matter uh, you can have probably run into some tax liability at one point or another and and that can really get significant if you're not taking the appropriate uh planning steps and uh considering all that you you can or have at your disposal uh, to to reduce the tax liability so you know Retirement planning and, and tax liability, uh, minimizing the tax liability anyways, uh, go hand in hand, especially this time of year, because uh, the retirement accounts can help you tremendously when it comes to reducing uh, the tax liability. And, and so that's, where, that's really what we want to focus on here is how and, and in what ways is it appropriate uh, to implement different types of retirement accounts so that you maximize what you can get not only into those tax-deferred accounts, but also uh, minimizing what you have to pay Uncle Sam. Yeah, and, and let's be clear. While we think about it a lot right now because we're about to pay the bill, yeah. the time to have thought about any of this would have been a couple of months ago when we're still back in 2018 <laughs> when we could actually take action that would lower our tax bill for the spring of 19. Right. So, Unfortunately, it's too late for this guy to make a difference for his tax bill right now. But well, that depends. If, going if, forward, we could fix it. Sure. Well, if 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 he currently had a SEP IRA, for instance, mm-hmm. then for that account, you would still have until the tax deadline of this year to make a contribution for the year prior. But would have it ha- would have would have that had to be opened by the end of 2018, or well, can you open one now and still? No, I think I think the account has to be put in place prior to the end of the year in which you're trying to make the contribution so okay. that you can take the deduction for that year. Because so, truly, yeah, the way the way it goes in and is and gets reported at the custodian is that you know it's a contribution in the year it's made. It's 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 how you're reporting it or your accountant is reporting it on the tax return uh, that shows when that contribution should actually be applied to in terms of the year. Uh, so. That being the case, though, there are still things, and, and in addition to the retirement accounts, obviously, there's a lot of other ways, but uh, also just tax minimization here as a business owner is really the focus, and, and trying to uh, reduce it as much as possible uh, would be the key. So some of this is dependent upon the, the business structure uh, that the client might have, and so you know this is going to drive some of that conversation, and if you've not had that conversation with your accountant or with your financial planner, it's certainly one in which you should have, because to your point, Troy, although you may not have uh, acted in time to get anything for last year, uh, while taxes are on our minds for this year, uh, it is important that you know we we do start making those planning considerations for uh, this year, because it's, it's something that, um, you know, you can start taking advantage of. And most business owners that we know, I know Melanie and I work with quite a few of them, uh, they are so focused on the business while while saving on taxes is important to them. That's not really their main focus. That's that's why right. they engage us because they want us to think about those things and, and making sure that we're helping them do everything that they can 
to minimize their tax liability. So you said the way the business is organized is is important here. So can you flesh that out a little more? I mean, we could be a C corporation, we could be an S corporation, a partnership, an yep. LLC, any of those things. And how, how does you say that impacts uh, my potential tax savings? Yeah, absolutely. So some some small business owners are sole proprietors, and you know if if you don't have a business entity and it's just flowing through your your tax return itself, that's going to come through in a way where maybe you don't have the ability to open, say, an individual 401k uh, like you would with, say, an S-corporation. Especially with a C-corporation, those are the the companies that you would see with uh, major 401k plans uh, that probably wouldn't be appropriate for a small business owner. But, um, you know, that does affect uh, the type of accounts you would want to consider. Companies or, or individuals that have an LLC, uh, or an S corp, you're still eligible for uh, SEP IRAs uh, with an S corp. Uh, you can you can do those, and it really comes down to what can we get the most amount of money into each year uh, as it relates to IRA contributions and you know the deductions that you would get for making them, so that you you have to write less of a check to Uncle Sam. Right. So a SEP IRA has a, a lower limit annual contribution right than just a traditional IRA or or a 401k the the traditional IRA would have the lower annual limit so if you're a sole proprietor did not have a business name in order to open the SEP account up then you would not be able to contribute as much to the IRA as you could if you had the SEP IRA in place the SEP will allow you to get more into it uh, and potentially as much as the individual 401k would uh, but in the event you you it makes sense for you to open an individual 401k, that's that's certainly going to give you the most amount of room uh, in terms of the annual maximum limits uh, to get money into that and and maximize your deduction as a result. Okay, uh, simple is <clears throat> is a, a lower amount though, right? Uh, yes. Might, yeah. So with a with a simple IRA, you can't save as much on an annualized basis. Potentially, yeah. I mean, at the bottom line with all of these is that you cannot contribute more to the account than what the business is making. So if if I only make $6,000 in a year, and let's say with the SEP IRA I could get in up to twenty five and potentially more, I can't make a $25,000 contribution from my savings account if my business only made six. Right. It's It's got to coincide properly. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that. So. But But the big point here is if you're trying to save tax – the amount that you save lowers your income. Yes, because you get a deduction for that, and so your adjusted gross income is then lower as a result. Yeah. There's other ways, and I'm I'm really surprised that an accountant wouldn't at least think of this one. But <laughs> I, what they probably were sitting there telling them is maybe you ought to go buy a truck or some sort of an asset that you get and you get to – I mean, honestly, would you rather pay Uncle Sam and get zero for it or rather pay yourself in a retirement account – and get the benefit sure. of, uh, you know, a, a retirement plan at that point. Yeah. At least you have something saved. Yeah, even if you can't pull it right back out, you at least get to keep it and then grow it yeah. and get the benefit in retirement potentially. And, again, if the business needed something, an asset or whatever, it would be great to deal with some of that. All right, well, we're going to take a real quick break, and uh, when we come back we'll get into some more questions uh, and answers to them on the financial planning side. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back.
Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia. This is Money Talks. Moving on up. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Melanie Wells. How about that? I got the name right. Wow. Melanie Wells. It changed about five years ago, and I'm still kind of trying to catch up. I mean, it's okay. They take time sometimes. Sometimes it takes five years. I I can tell you just today, I've probably called my children the wrong name at least three times. And I was only around them for the first 30, 45 minutes of the day. So um, there you are. Melanie Wells. All right. So uh, we, uh, we have. Talked a little bit about uh, business owners and how to save some money. Let's answer some questions. But before we get it, get to that, uh, we'd love to hear from you and your financial questions, and we'd love to answer them on the air. In order to do that, you can call our question hotline, one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. The way it works, you call in, you get a recording, you leave your recording, including the question that you have for us to answer. Uh, we play it on the air and then answer right behind it. So if you've got a question, you don't want to talk to a human, there you go. If you prefer to talk to a human, you can call our um, call our office number, 770-429-9166. Uh, ask for the radio producer, uh, radio show producer. Uh, you can uh, speak to them and tell them what your issue is, and uh, we'll make sure to get that question on the line. If you just really don't like to talk to a machine or people the total introvert, you can go email us, drgeneensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And then if you just are absolutely not going to want to connect with anybody, just go to our website, hensler.com, and uh, we have pre-prepared answers, topics uh, that are somewhat broad, so if it's not a real specific thing and you don't need to have the interaction of human beings, uh, you can go to Hensler.com mm-hmm. and get your answers that are ready right now. And more and more these days, you can find us on uh, YouTube. A lot of good content there that is uh, yeah. becoming quite popular. There's good good questions people have asked that we've answered. and so Social media, yeah, you can yeah. find us. You put in Hensler, and uh, you can find us on all manner of uh, social media, LinkedIn, I know, uh, maybe even Instagram. Um Facebook. You can, yeah, you can see some of the things that we get involved in that are fun. I won't say they're more fun than finance to me, but I'm a finance <laughs> geek, so uh, you know it's. We love finance. We really do, or we wouldn't be here. So, uh, got a question here from Jay from Canton. It says, so this past Christmas, the go-to gift for us was the robot vacuums. Uh, we bought Roombas for my sister, my parents, my in-laws, and my wife's aunt. How does iRobot hold up as a stock? Now, I like the way you think. I mean, you like the product, you're going to go out and see, you know, is this a good investment? And quite often it doesn't turn out that way. I, you know, I don't have an iRobot. I know. Uh, what? Yeah. It's life changing. Uh, well, it would be for me. Troy. Um, missing out, man. Actually. Well, I've got wood floors mostly. I mean, oh, yeah, we, do. we do too. Hey, that's, wow. they work they even better. They'll go over the rugs. Mm-hmm. Wow. I find that there's less... Uh, All of a sudden, I feel left behind. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get one. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, it doesn't get everything, but it gets enough to keep it, you know, Especially you can walk around tech. without socks. You know, I never so considered they, myself a technophobe, but, you know, I, I'm definitely not the early adopter. But 
you guys are just, I mean, I don't have an Alexa. I don't have a iRobot. I, I do have a remote control on my television because when I was a kid, I was the remote control. I had two big brothers. I was technology of the day. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I cured that at my house. I even have one of those you can talk into, the voice. Wow. Yeah, I don't have one of those, but yeah. I've got a... Wow. I got somebody beat. Not as technophobe as you thought. God, I really... I'm not a phobe. I mean, I'm not afraid of it. I just don't... <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what's the big deal? Yeah, well, you know, the the big benefit of that is that you probably pay a lot less than most people for those things because the prices come down after a while. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. which yeah, that you, was the plan. If you ever get to iRobot, you're gonna you're gonna be glad you waited because they are not cheap, but well worth the splurge. So yeah, well, and that really ties into what I'm talking about here. So uh, five year earnings growth, twenty three point eight percent in iRobot. Uh, ticker symbol IRBT. Uh, you look at forward long term growth, twenty percent is what's expected from the analysts. Um, there are the 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 issue is. It's such a popular product that it's starting to get lots of competition. And um, some of the competition has uh, Wi-Fi-enabled apps, so you can control it remotely from mm. anywhere you are. Uh, you, can, you can hit the button, say, you know, your friend calls and says, I'm going to pop by for whatever, and you're not at the house and you want to clean up a little bit, you hit the button and, and you can mm-hmm. make it go. Some of the knocks, though, if you go and read... Um, the reviews on the machines is the Wi-Fi connections a little bit wonky uh, based on what I've read. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it just seems like uh, the price point is pretty significantly high for the iRobot. It is kind of the first to the market, and, and it uh, seems to still be the one that most people look at. But for those that are cheap and maybe like me, Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably find the one that was the absolute cheapest, and I would buy it in a flash. My my kids have two dachshunds, miniature oh, dachshunds, yeah. and mm-hmm. if it would vacuum up one of the dachshunds, I would <laughs> I, either one of the dachshunds. <laughs> I would probably buy the thing in a flash and never look back. I mean, it'd be worth every dime I spend. <laughs> it does do a pretty good job on the more. hair, I will yeah. say. Oh yeah. I mean, ours is full every day that it runs. It's yeah. out here. Well, well, my dogs don't shed. I guess if there is something um, good there, that's, that's well. See, that's the thing. You don't think that they do because really, what some of the stuff that ours picks up, I was, I was, I would have never thought that. It's amazing that how even dirty out there. your house yeah. is when yeah. it doesn't look dirty mm-hmm. until Jared, you empty that thing. Yeah, Jared, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know it, but you're bald. Maybe it's you <laughs> shedding. No, no, uh, that's no. that's how I know it's not. Because it I shaved you. this. Oh, yeah. really? So you take care yes. of it before the single hair. I don't falls think I'm, you'd probably prefer me to be bald. Cause I don't know. I, I could grow it pictures. out. I'd grow it out, but you know. I, you had like a frat boy haircut in one of the pictures that I saw. Yeah, it mean, might have been a high school pick or something. I don't was, don't let Jerry kid you, Melanie. He has got <laughs> he's got a lot more hair than he wants to let on. He just shaves uh, it off because he I likes do. he likes the Kojak look, but he never has a lollipop. Well, you know, I don't want to get in too far away from Jay's question, but no, I, I think we just did. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we were talking about the iRobot. <laughs> yeah, and then now we're on Jarrett's hair. But <laughs> I, I will say, you know, look, the, the iRobot, you're right. I think the price point is their biggest struggle because at some point as more competition comes out, they are going to find themselves uh, struggling, I think, to compete unless, you know, yeah. uh, they're not exactly uh, alone in the space anymore. Yeah, and they've got, I mean, they've tried to expand a little. They've got pool cleaners and vacuums and mops, and, it, you know, it, it's still seems reminiscent of Crocs to me. 
I know, you know, Crocs were the craze when they first came out. Everybody had a pair of Crocs. I still have a pair of Crocs, a technology I could get behind. You should never admit something like that on air, Troy. Well, you know, I, I waited until they came down. Did you hang on But Crocs also was a listed company, a publicly traded company, and if you bought it early on, you got your teeth kicked in. It was ugly. It was. It, it really was kind of a one-trick pony. And I'm afraid, since I haven't seen much innovation outside of the vacuums with iRobot, that it could be there. I'm telling you, Jay, I would not buy iRobot. Enjoy the enjoy the robot. Don't buy the stock. Not a good investment. But again, I mean, I like your thinking because you know you saw something that you liked in the market. You went out and did a little work on it, um, learned a little something, but don't buy it. All right. So uh, next up, we got Howard and Sherry from Sandy Springs who ask a simple question. Should we have an annuity in our IRA? So, guys. Is it simple, Troy? Melanie? <laughs> uh, it's Never a simple, simple question. Answer. It might not be a simple answer. <laughs> well, true. I mean, it, it, it was only, you know, we're only talking about seven words here. That's simple to me. <laughs> the answer is not so much so, I don't think. Okay. So, mm-hmm. what's the deal? Usually, annuities are sold quite often by the in- insurance companies, and one of the big one of the big things they sell them on is because they they are uh, they have tax benefits. Oh, absolutely. But in your IRA, which has tax benefits too, I mean, at its yeah. face, it seems like kind of a. Well, and if you question. want to access those benefits, you're going to pay ordinary income when you pull them out. So you know the IRA is eating up your tax benefit that you would gain in the product because it's owned within a tax deferred account, which is going to cause you to incur ordinary income when you pull it out. Okay. It just dilutes it all. So the basic answer is probably no, but there might be a reason why you might want to. It's always an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't tell my kids that, though. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on whose rules they are. <laughs> yes, that's true. Well, hey, let's uh, let's take a real quick break before you answer the rest of this question. When we come back, you guys have it. Looking forward to why, we would say, eh, maybe. All right. We'll uh, take a quick break, pay a bill or two. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. Listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jared McKenzie and Melanie Wells. And when we last spoke to you, we were talking about whether or not to hold an annuity in your IRA. And really, it doesn't make a lot of sense from a tax perspective. Uh, there might be some reason why you wanted to do it. If, if that's where all your money is, and it looks as if your money is about to run out, um, maybe maybe a, a life annuity that continues to pay as long as you're living. Uh, it does do away with the potential if you had money left over in the in the uh, lifetime annuity. Mm-hmm. If there were value, it actually goes to zero upon your death. Um, right. So you know if if your back's against the wall like that, maybe it makes sense. 
Yeah, because there, there's a there is a product called a qualifying longevity annuity, which uh, under certain conditions, if certain circumstances are met, let's say you have a really big IRA account balance, and as a result, you're going to have a very large required minimum distribution each year, uh, assuming you're over age 70 and a half. Well, that qualifying longevity annuity might enable you to reduce what that minimum requirement is because that takes it out of the calculation up to a certain point. And so from that perspective, you know, uh, if if you're one of those few people that have so much money in the IRA and, and don't need all of that minimum requirement uh, that you have to take each year, this may prevent you from having to take such a large distribution uh, that's taxed at ordinary income rates. Uh, in an instance like that, I would certainly say an annuity is, is worth considering. But in most other cases, whatever you're trying to accomplish by purchasing the annuity product, you could probably find someone to help you, uh, an advisor, expert, professional, like, like we, we are here at Hensler, uh, can help you do that in a much cheaper way. In fact, yeah. the way we manage money is essentially doing what a lot of annuities do, but because we are doing that management as opposed to the actuaries within the insurance company that, that you bought the product from, yeah, uh, we can do it for much cheaper. You're paying a premium to have it all, you know, packaged up nicely in this product, and that's the way it is with most things in our economy. Right, and yeah. and what's sad is you're paying that premium to have the package, but in reality, you're paying a premium for a product that has no liquidity. You you can't sell it without uh, significant fees. Um, and why wouldn't you then just look at the bonds that the company issues that both have the same backing, right? Yeah. Uh, full faith and credit of the company. Um, if the company went bust, your annuities got issues as well as the bond that you might have bought. But the difference is the corporate bond issued by the same insurance company is going to have the same financial rating and have liquidity. You could sell it if you needed to, and, you know, you're not going to get penalized. Yeah, so you can't tell somebody that that's guaranteed. Neither, neither of them are guaranteed. It's guaranteed by the full faith and credit of the company. Now, right. they'll tell you that the annuity is guaranteed. That's what I'm saying. We can't say something's guaranteed by no, law. But no. that, many, many people are sold those things because of the guarantee is peace of mind. That's what they're selling them. They use scare tactics to do it. Yeah. And that's what they're buying is the guarantee. It doesn't matter that right. this makes more sense or we can, be, we can do it cheaper. Yeah. They want the peace of mind and that guarantee, and it's just... It's not, you know. Right. But again. you and I realize that the guarantee that they're talking about still is the backed by what? Oh, sure. The company. Yeah. And same as the bond. And you're right. Well, that's why if you are going to consider one of these, you need to make sure that the company that you buy it from, the insurance carrier, is a very reputable, very highly rated, very safe company. Because you're right. It means nothing if they can't pay their obligation to you, which is outlined in that annuity contract. Uh, so that's very important. And well, and think about this. There, it, usually, this this logic seems backwards. Right now, most corporate bonds are paying significantly less than the annuity is going to guarantee you for. How is that long term sustainable? Uh, there can only be one way. Fees that are tied up in that annuity actually make it more profitable to them mm -hmm. oh, than. These are not nonprofit corporations offering yeah. these things, right? right? I mean, they're they're offering you what they're offering you because they think they can do better, and they can because they have the flexibility that they're taking from you by giving putting you in this product. So, Jarrett, if I went out and borrowed money at two and a half percent, like you can probably do, eh, corporates are probably around three and a half, four four percent at this point. I'm going to borrow money and pay four percent, and then I'm going to guarantee you five percent. So I just lost one percent, right? Technically. 
How does it make logical sense? Basically, like I said, mm-hmm. the fees make up the difference and then some. Yep. 100%. So there, there's there's no way around that. All right. So we're not huge fans of annuities, and especially not in an IRA. Okay, let's move on. Wade and Tracy say, how much money do we really need to put down on a home? Melanie, (laughs) surely we can answer this question without a bunch of eh, maybes, ifs, nots, what? This one's a little more straightforward. Okay, a little bit. Yeah, so generally speaking, we'll tell you 20% to avoid the PMI, the private mortgage insurance. Yeah, so, and that's usually a bank thing. They like to see you get right. 20% they, down. They yep. want to know that you're, you know, a good borrower. Right. So if you can't put that down, they're worried about your, you know, paying abilities. Mm-hmm. Sure. So they're going to charge you insurance for that. Right. Sort of a guarantee back to them that you're going to, you know, Yeah, you've got a third party insuring that you're going to pay. Right, right. Um, but that said, there's other options out there, too. You don't have to put down that 20%. There's other loans. There's the Federal Housing Administration, FHA loans that you can get. Um, you can get a VA loan if you're um, a qualified veteran and surviving spouses. And in the House, there are some, uh, there's a lot more hoops to jump through to get those types of loans, right? Right. There's other qualifications that you have to An know, inspection meet. that's got to right. be going right. over. But in those situations, you don't necessarily need the full 20% right. to put down. Um, or there's other options, too, of not putting down that full 20% if you still have the funds and potentially investing some of the difference into something else. I know that Jarrett just did something recently like this on his home. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you do have some funds, which for us was from a previous home sale, I mean, we, we found ourselves in a position where we were going to have some left over, and instead of putting it all into you know, that 20% and avoiding the PMI, we put it into the house uh, through renovations with the kitchen and whatnot, and then, uh, you know, had it reappraised after all that was done, and the value went up enough that we avoided PMI anyways and still put the money into the house, but it was, you know, in a way that uh, gave us a better house. So, you know, yeah, to your point, there are, there are lots of alternatives uh, to putting down the 20%. If, if your goal is to minimize your mortgage payment, the more you put down, the more, uh, you know, the lower you're going to be able to make that. But it's not always the best thing to do, um, but, you know, never a bad thing to, to pay down the mortgage uh, a little bit more, I would say. But, you know, as far as putting it down, it's going to be very circumstantial uh, to what, what is, a, you know, a good fit for you. And to your point, Melanie, I think the, the different loans uh, can come, they can be very helpful. Some people simply don't have the 20%. And it's not a matter of do we put down the 20 and avoid PMI or not. It's well, there's no way I'd have enough to put 20% down, so what are my options then? And, you know, what can we do about it, or how would we go about getting a loan for something like that uh, in that instance? And so if if uh, you guys needed to talk about that more, you could certainly give us a call and uh, let us know, you know, what your situation is, and we could give you some more specific guidance. But um, That's, That number is 770-429-9166. You can ask for Melanie Wells or Jarrett McKenzie, either one of which could help you with this decision. I guess, guys, before we leave the topic, uh, this is one of those things that we talk about a lot, uh, debt. Debt relative to, you know, would you would you be averse to pulling money out of a, out of a retirement account to pay more on the down payment? Doesn't this get back then to how much you could make in the market relative to how much you're mm-hmm. saving in interest on... The loans? Sure. So yeah, the, the math is, is pretty clear. I mean, you, you'd probably be better off keeping it in an account that's going to grow at a rate higher than 
both what it's costing you for the mortgage and, and even what the home would maybe appreciate. But, uh, you know, if, if you're in that situation as a first-time home buyer, you, you do have some options in pulling from retirement accounts penalty-free. Right. And that that may be a very good option. Yeah. And while it wasn't really the crux of the question, it actually would be one of those things that you, if you called in, you know, we can ask a few questions, maybe to discover a few uh, other ins and outs that we could uh, recommend for you to uh, explore before you made a decision like this. So Yeah, um, lots you know, to talk about on that front. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, uh, this is the end of our show, and we always say market up or down. Melanie, you can tell me, will the market be up or down this week? It's going to be up. Jerry. The rate it's going, it's got to go up. I'm always up. Thanks for listening. You listen to Money Talks. We'll be back next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.